On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You're tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Carl Mullins' music-making journey started more than six decades ago, sitting around his mom's kitchen table in Dublin. When Carl migrated to the States, he brought his love for Celtic music with him and formed the Celtic rock band Plowman's Lunch in 1993 with a Grammy-nominated track, Whiskey in the Fields. Some have said his latest record, Fearless, is the best solo music he's ever recorded. Carl and I talk about his musical journey and his new record on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hi, Carl. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to make the connection, and uh, good to talk with you as well. So, um, you've got a new record out that we want to chat about for a few minutes. If you don't mind, let's let's kind of back up a little bit and talk about how you got to where you are. Did, did I read correctly? You uh, grew up in Ireland, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Dublin. Okay. And played, played there as a teenager. Always played music. Everyone in the house... My mother was a singer, and we all kind of grew up singing in the kitchen, all that stuff, Irish ballads. And then I came to Pittsburgh. I came to the States in 76. Okay. 20, and I was an illegal alien for 15 years. <laughs> and uh, ended up in a great band in Pittsburgh called Car Sickness. Yeah, and that was a punk band, right? Well, people said it was a punk band, but it was more kind of avant-garde noise-making collective than the punk band. We didn't, <laughs> certainly didn't sound like the Sex Pistols. Right, okay. It sounded more like Soft, soft Machine or something, you know? Yeah, okay. How, how did you get from the Irish-flavored, uh, I'm assuming even early Celtic-flavored music into that uh, alternative, if we want to call it that, punk scene? Well, it was like a breath of fresh air when you were in your 20s then, and, you know, all the prog rock thing I was going to such excesses with the light shows and all kinds of twin chops. It was just really fresh and to come up with uh, bands and punk bands or rock bands in London. I was just used to three chords and uh, and some youthful venom to get the message across. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So how long did you stay with that style? Too, it wasn't too far, you know, uh, a field from uh, from Irish ballads anyway. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, we, we played in that band for quite a while, and then it kind of ran its course. Uh, we had a great time, and we played uh, all over the U.S., and uh, toured, and made friends, started our own label, all that kind of DIY stuff. Uh-huh. But then all the same people, we morphed into this Celtic kind of folk band called The Plowman's Lunch, and it was the same people. We just kind of woke up one morning. Oh, all right, and, okay. And changed direction, but it was all the same people, which is kind of interesting. Did, did you... Did the fan base go with you? Yeah, it did for the most part. Yeah, that's cool. It did for the most part. Because we always were trying to do something new and something different, something original. Uh, although, kind of, you know, we nodded to the people we liked and grew up with and listened to. Yeah. We kind of wanted to do, do our own thing. Was the Celtic feel um, something that was intentional or was just kind of the migration? 
Well, it was funny. It was kind of always there. Our, the synthesizer player from Crosscheck was, was always a tin whistle player. Oh, okay. He just put down a synthesizer and, and played his tin whistle. And the sax player was the same, and the drummer was the same, and I was the same, and I was writing the songs the same, and singing the songs the same. It was just something different, you know? We, yeah. We'd done the Crosscheck this thing, and uh, it was time to do something different. And And you guys were together for how long? God, I think I remember all this stuff. <laughs> Quite a while. I'd say 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. And okay. we played up and down the East Coast, New York City, all the Irish bars. We played at a lot of the uh, soccer festivals. We played at, in Netherlands Stadium okay. um, after the Italy-Ireland uh, soccer game in the World Cup. Things like that. We played Paddy Riley's. We played at Black 47 and all that stuff yeah. in New York City. And when that was over, you... You, uh, if I read correctly, moved into kind of um, uh, what's the word day job maybe uh, booking and doing some artist kind of correct, things. Did correct. the music stay with you? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd always done the booking thing because, to be perfectly honest, we could, we could never make a living yeah. doing what it was in one season. Yeah. And when we were younger, we were terribly disappointed. Now, in hindsight, we're kind of really glad because we've had a very interesting life pursuing other art forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drummer and the photographer. And uh, the synthesizer tin whistle player just released a new album uh, called uh, Music for Plants and hmm. it's recorded the biofeedback of plants actually making sounds and algorithms and oh, wow. stuff like that okay. which has been really interesting yeah. we've got to do all of that yeah. yeah I started booking venues in Pittsburgh and then I morphed into Philly and was with the World Cafe Live in Philly for about seven years full time and, and you played along the way personally? no I okay. didn't really play much in at all, play a little bit. Many of you always have your instruments. I played, you know, roll strong still. I'm also a painter, so I put a lot of time into painting at that stage. Painting artistically, right? Not not as a uh, house painter. Is that right? Correct. Although yeah. I've done I've done that as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what what drew you back to the music? Well, the World Cafe Live thing. I got laid off when the kind of that recession came. I moved to DC and then I moved up here. And for me, the music has always been about kind of making a community. In Pittsburgh, we had a songwriter's night at my house for years and years and years. I always kind of found new talents and new artists and gave them opportunities in my booking days. Mm-hmm. And um, where I live up here, I have a little barn, so I started putting on music in the barn, yeah. putting on shows up here, and uh, started meeting local musicians and formed a band up here. Okay. Wandering Rocks, and made a record and played went back to Pittsburgh and played and all that stuff. And we did that for a couple of years. And then I was in another band. And now I'm currently in a band called Double Diamond, which is a little female singer songwriters from up here. Okay. But then when COVID came, all of that got put on hold. Yeah. And when COVID came, I just found myself alone, uh, you know, in the bedroom, um, with no audience or nothing, and, and came up with a new way of writing songs um, that I hadn't done before. And that's where the album came out of Fearless. When you say a new way of writing songs that you hadn't done before, what, what does that mean? Well, I think when you put on headphones, it's almost like I made a little home studio. When I had the headphones on and I used one of those, um, uh, you know, condenser mics mm-hmm. up close, you really, really, I don't know, do you hear yourself or sing to record? No, I, I'm I'm around music and been around music, so I understand. But I'm I'm not it's, a musician in that really sense. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so intimate. Really, I mean, you usually pick up your own breath, 
and you vary singing into this microphone, it becomes a different kind of performance. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes a different kind of theater. And you kind of just close my eyes and wrote these really intimate, uh, you know, personal songs. And most of them are first takes, um, actually. And, you know, someone said, that's when I went out into my barn to do some sessions. I closed my eyes and I kind of uh, didn't even realize that the power had died. And they're singing away for about 20 minutes. Wow. I opened up complete darkness and there's like mice running about the place. <laughs> and on some of the recordings, you can hear the wind howling. Wow. That kind of thing. So yeah. it was really, uh, it was quite magical to record it, to be perfectly honest with you. And uh, I loved it. And I sent the tracks to my good friend and producer, Kenny Allen, John Walsh, who's an amazing traditional Irish uh, guitar player. He told us of Paddy Keenan. The, the great bagpiper, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, John, uh, you know, mix them and master them, and, and on some songs, put a little bass or a little drum track here or there, but it's mostly just me on it. We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be right back. You are listening to Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Music Magazine. Welcome back to the interview. I listened to several of the tracks um, on the record, and there was this, the way I would describe it is that there was an emphasis on the emotion, the, the lyrics and the emotion, and, and the music was just this kind of quiet support system in the background, you know? It just, it was a very um, soothing almost, but very mysterious even, very oh, neat. Good. Uh, I, I like what you did with that, and I like the way you Thank described you. Yeah. how it was a new style, because it, it felt to me like it must be a new, something new from what I had heard some of your earlier music. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a new way of singing, it's a new way of writing, um, almost, you know, it's, it's like, it's not on a diary, but they're like little short stories, little short personal stories. Because again, with this COVID thing, this was last year when we were in the middle of it, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really kind of unnerving and frightening, I think, for all of us who didn't know what the hell was going on or right. where were we. And, you know, a year later, we're, I, we're more used to it, and I've even been vaccinated since, and so I'm not as fearful. Sure. But it was pretty uh, lonely, I think, for a while for many of us. Mm-hmm. Certainly, late at night in a room with my headphones on, close my eyes with the guitar there. Uh, you know, you try to find some light at the end of the dark tunnel. Has songwriting always been a part of your music? Always, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've always been writing songs since a kid. I love writing songs. I drive my family mad because I'm always saying, well, that's a great line for a song. <laughs> and I love everyday speech and ordinary things. And, you know, I'm always writing down snippets, mm. of, you know, on a train, someone says something like, oh, that's a great lyric for this song. Mm. Or a headline in a newspaper or all kinds of things. Do you um, keep yeah, them together? Do you do you keep those snippets in a, in a, a format that you can go to readily? Well, these days I do. It used to be all handwritten years ago, in cigarette packets and, uh, and napkins, and yeah. sometimes on your arm or on your <laughs> fist. But now I have that lovely, you know, laptop computer thing. That's sure. What's it called? Uh, yeah. Notes or something, and I write it there, and, and it's on my phone and it's on my iPad. And I paint in the same manner. I sometimes paint. I don't know, five, six, seven, or eight, or maybe even ten pictures all at once. And it may just end up as one picture. Huh. And that somehow, I write the song like that as well. I could have ten mediocre songs or ten songs <laughs> that I was trying to write, forgot all about. Yeah. But then one day, I'm flipping through that one, and that one line from that song, and that other bit from that other song, and what I came up with on that day, somehow, uh, you know, it makes it come together. Do you have a 
a practice uh, of songwriting outside of your collecting the the pieces do you uh, is it a daily thing weekly thing do you is it preset how do you yeah, put all yeah, that together well, I'm, I'm always there that's why I drive them all crazy all the time I'm always doing it I'm always whistling making up songs drawing or painting constantly <laughs> <laughs> so it's more or, organic than you know every day at three o'clock I'm going to sit down and work on my music kind of thing oh yeah yeah and I never try to force it you learn that with the painting. If it's not happening, I, you know, I walk away from it. Hmm. And I find out about the songs. If it's not happening, just leave it. I mean, I've I've gone back to the lyrics ten years later. Turn the page over and go, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that, and that works now. You know. How far ahead do you have what you feel like would be workable songs? Like you thinking? Are you thinking ahead on the next to the next project? You know, I really think, I wish, I'm not particularly great at being a commercial artist, I really don't think in terms of mm. that, I just I just kind of write the stuff, or paint the stuff, or make the stuff. The album is going to come out, the vinyl is going to come out, I believe, uh, late August. Mm. So I've already written three or four songs for that my producer friend is trying to tell me just do another album. Okay. But I definitely want to have some new tracks on the record. Okay. So um, in, in addition to what you've already created for this one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got three or four already finished, recorded, everything. Now, is this particular project, which is Fearless, is that right? Um, Correct. Is that out now, available? Yeah, Fearless is available as a digital download on Get Hit Records. Okay. It's on their Bandcamp page and on their page as well. I also have it on my Bandcamp page, and Fearless will become a final album in uh, late August right. on, uh, on Get It. Okay. Do you... And we've got a little bit of airplay, you know, like two in the morning in the Scottish yeah. radio station. <laughs> six in the morning. Yeah. I got left Wales and I got on, I think, two in the, one in the morning in Ireland a couple of times. Okay. Right. And there was, you know, just small little things, but lots of nice from people and uh, strangers who've picked it up. Get It have a pretty good distribution network. Mm-hmm. In terms of, it's already on every conceivable platform that there is out there. Ones I didn't even know existed. Right. It's on right. Amazon. Do people buy records on Amazon? Yeah, I do. My wife it. does. <laughs> oh, I yeah. never got Amazon. Yeah. For records. But it's on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I should correct that. She bought the har- a hard copy of an artist on Amazon. So there are still a few yeah. outlets for physical CDs. Those of us over 40 still listen to CDs. <laughs> yes, the CD, I don't make them back. I mean, people now are listening to on cassette. I'd love to go back I, to cassette. I know, I know. It, it, as as bad of a quality as it ends up being, usually, it's still a fun medium to listen to. <laughs> I love them. We used to cut them up and paste them back together. Right. Again, and make them go backwards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And kids love all that. Yeah, yeah. The younger generation doesn't know the thrill of, of creating analog that way. It was yeah, we did that too. Mixed <laughs> with it as well. What do you What do you hope to do with this project? Do you um, do Do you want to get out and tour with it eventually? What What is the plan for the music? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, there's a big festival up here near where we live, Fresh Glass Festival. I'll probably get to play that and have the vinyl with that, and I'll probably play with that with the girls in Double Diamond as well. And touring-wise, I mean, I, I teach art to kids, 
so I don't have the luxury of, of, of being in my twenties anymore and you know going about the place. Mm-hmm. But certainly, we play in New York City. We want to go to Ireland. We probably hit Pittsburgh. We might do this in Boston, not too far from where we are. It's Toronto. So selective dates, uh, and we play around the area and you know, go from coffee bars to bars. But a lot of times, uh, people are doing what I'm doing here. I put on these concerts at the bar. Hopefully, we'll get back to that in the and other people are doing similar kinds of things that, that you know, outside of venues, that there are opportunities to play at mm-hmm. different kind of circuits. And will you go out basically solo or, or try to put a band together and, and take it with you? Probably just out solo, no way to be made. Right. So I'm going to sleep in three minutes and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I also like to make a record that when you go to see the artist, it sounds like the record. Yeah. I guess uh, if he's a orchestra, he makes a record and you go see, you're like, where's the freaking orchestra? Yeah, right. So <laughs> if you get this record, uh, I want to show up in your yard. Uh, it, it'll sound Complete with the barn and, and no power, right? I mean, hard necessarily to acoustic show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you, you told me where the folks could find it. Is there a place where they could reach out to you if they want to connect in a different way? Website, email address, sure. Facebook? Uh, e- email, Instagram. Uh, it's Carl Mullen, uh 2020 on Instagram. It's fearless. Um, yeah, so carlmullen at gmail.com. And if anyone's interested, I'd love to hear about, you know, playing in someone's room or their barn or their basement or their backyard. I'm based out of Williamstown in Massachusetts. Great. Okay. And and give me the band camp um, uh, where, where folks can get the music again. Uh, they can get it from my band camp, Carl Mullen, the band camp, but also Get Hip Records. Get Hip Records have their own band camp page. Good. Thank you, great. Carl. This has been great. I appreciate it. And uh, I wish you well with the new record. Thank you very much. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts 
or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.